Welcome to the Grantland Oscar Preview. In sports, you're always talking about, ah, the NBA Finals are coming up. What's at stake for Duncan? What's at stake for LeBron? We don't talk about that as much for movies, so let's talk about it now. Michael Keaton. What's at stake for Michael Keaton? I think he's always wanted to win. I feel like if he loses... That reaction shot is going to probably be the best performance he ever gives. It'll well, be better than anything he I'm, does in Birdman. I'm not saying that Keaton is in this position, but it is. It you remember Eddie Murphy when he was nominated for uh, Dreamgirls? Oh, he was devastated. It was like yes. if he it's like if he didn't win, he was up the aisle and going, "Why did I do this?" Now, I don't know that Keaton is like that, but you'd have to say he has a fair amount at stake just because you don't know when he'll next get a bite of the apple. He's been the favorite, really, from the moment that's, the movie came out. Yeah, that's and sort so of what I mean. You like to go wire to wire, and as we know, it's not so much fun holding on to a lead. It feels like you have one shot when you were an A-list at the top of the mountain. You fall off, you climb back, and you have that one movie where everybody's like, oh, he's back, I'm so excited to see him or her. And this is it. Like, this is his chance. This is like the wrestler for Mickey Rourke in some ways. Oh. But Michael Keaton's a better actor. <laughs> it could have happened for Michael Keaton. Do you guys agree with me that Keaton versus Hanks was a thing no, until, like, 1990? Uh, it was a market correct. Who represented what was a huge topic of conversation in the early 80s. Now, the thing that distinguishes them, if you thought about it, is that one guy is a little street. Keaton was always a little street. Mm -hmm. And Hanks... I think came off as very warm. Yes. You know, and that was the division. If you were going to try to separate them, and they were one and one A. Beetlejuice, I would say, is my quintessential Michael Keaton. And I think it's and the I one, in a way, it's the one that survived. When I interviewed the cast of Birdman, that's the one everybody raised their hands for. Like Emma yeah. Stone had said, I must have watched Beetlejuice like 50 He's times. He's a genius in Beetlejuice. And I think, and it's for like, and it plays reason, perfectly to his skills. Yeah. Well, that's it for the show. Thanks oh, no, a lot. We have a lot more people. <laughs> um, Julianne Moore. This is the best performance in the worst movie for a possible winner that I can think why don't, of. Well, why, instead of saying the worst movie, why don't we just say the least seen movie? I fell asleep twice during the screener. It's an impeccable performance. It is. It is, it she's is very good. It is impeccable. She has been good time and time and time again yeah, for the I, last ten years. And, and it now feels like this is her time. Is it a career achievement award? Yes. But, at the, you know, it, does it feel like the movie exists? As a, as a kind of, uh, I don't know, erector set around this performance? Yes, it kind of does. It does. The performance is that good. She is it, that good. She deserves she to win. She would be a deserving yes, winner. She deserves to win. Well, should the saying... quality of the movie matter for an Oscar-winning performance? No. no. So what the hell happened to Vin Diesel in The Fast and Furious, the first one? <laughs> what more does a guy have to do? So next year, because yes. ailments clearly are a great way to win an Oscar. Here's one I can't remember seeing. A leprosy movie. What about leprosy, oh, where body limbs are just falling off and they have to CGI stuff? Watch out for that. Bradley Cooper. Third straight Oscar nomination. Yeah. What's at stake for Bradley? Can the recent American Sniper box office success actually push him to the Oscar? Here's the thing that people don't understand. Winning sucks. Winning an Oscar can suck. Ask Mercedes Rules. Renee Zellweger, yeah. Helen Hunt. Ask Sometimes any Best Actress winner in the last... So, sometimes years. it seems to end something rather than being a, a thing you follow oh, up it's on. Like these, a guys, culmination. these guys aren't athletes. Like right. you win an Oscar and you're not thinking the next day, how am I going to win the next one? Their careers change, but not always in the higher direction. Morgan Freeman told me once that when Lou Gossett Jr. won the Oscar supporting actor for Officer and a Gentleman, He's great. his price went up too high and he didn't get the good roles after that. The best thing that happened to Jennifer Lawrence last year was losing to Lupita. Yes. If Jennifer Lawrence wins that award, it's like everybody's sick of her. And it may be better for Bradley Cooper's career that he not win. That he this. never win. That actually is a really interesting way to think about it because 
Bradley Cooper, in many ways, is somebody who I think in the eyes of many people should just be lucky to even be at the Oscars in some ways. Six years ago, it just seemed impossible that he should be, uh, be nominated for anything. Three times? Yeah. Get out of here. Everyone's been looking for that next Tom Cruise like forever. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a year that had more roles in it that felt like, boy, 20 years ago, Tom Cruise kills these roles. Both the wrestlers in Fox yeah, Foxcatcher. Fox right? This is like the guy from Taps, really, in a right, weird way. Right, right. So, Do you know why I'm not looking for the next Tom Cruise? Because I still have Tom Cruise. We still have him. That's how right. I feel about Don't Julie you Roberts. try to push Tom Cruise out of my life yet, because I'm not ready. I'm as ready as anybody. Let's put it that next way. Next What's at Stake is a good one. Richard Linklater. What's at stake for him? Sometimes winning Best Director means we're going to put another zero next to your budget for the next film. I don't get the feeling that that's what Linklater is all about. You know, it, you know, a lot of times it like opens up the possibility. You could direct the next Marvel movie. You could like do whatever you want. That's not the playing field he's on. You know, because well, he's on a playing field where the time parameters are all out of whack. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's trying to figure out how to do eras for a director who doesn't necessarily want to like. You call this, but yeah, commercial movie. Right. He will get, you know, his pick of actors. Mm-hmm. Like he can get like an outstanding actor who would normally be out of his price range to be in his next movie, and that is an advantage. I think he has that one way or another based on the reaction to this movie. Is it winning best movie or best gimmick? So this is the conversation I think that That's is going to start. That's a real conversation. Well, this is the, and this is the fun part. It's like, and I have to credit Mark Lasanti, your fine colleague, for coming up with this idea. How could you derail Boyhood's chances to win the Oscar? For example, someone like Harvey Weinstein's out there, who's run a number of successful campaigns. He's got the imitation Smear game, campaigns. right? campaigns. Well, you don't have to say that. But I'm like, going to say it. Okay, but I'm if, gonna, if, if you're going to derail co-sign. Boyhood. Here's what you would do. You call a press conference. If you look at these facial pictures from 2005, I've been waiting for this. You'll see. What is that mole doing up here? What happened to that mole? It's like they said the other kid was sick or something. They just told me to get in there and do the scene. That's me getting kicked out by the angry dad. I had no idea it was me. You know, it seems to mean different things to different people. Yes. And everyone who watches it takes something different from them. And I, and I don't really know how they pulled that off without it being intentional. Mm -hmm. And I really do Mm -hmm. feel like he probably did put a ton of thought into this. There are some scenes in it that have some truth about being a parent or or having a kid. My parents got divorced and my mom started dating somebody I didn't like. Like, There's these little things and it's going to resonate with whoever. And it's probably the most memorable movie of the year. You know, not everyone has as much time to follow movies as, as these two esteemed gentlemen. And you might find yourself trapped at an Oscars party saying to yourself, I want to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I've only seen four <laughs> of these movies. So we're going to help you. We're going to give you some party favors. We're going to give you some things to say. I'm going to read the things. You guys react. Got it. Here's the first one. The studio screwed up Soma's release. They should be here. It's the studio's fault. If they'd released it a month sooner. How do you pull that one off? Uh, it's true. You say, I think the Academy has a race problem, but I don't think race really hindered Selma's chances. Because the argument being the screeners did not go out in time for the Producers Guild or for the Screen Actors Guild. There was an issue with getting them out in time, and so they did not get the nominations. Leading up to the Oscars that perhaps they should have, there seems to have been this issue with the accuracy of the LBJ interactions that I would yeah. say one way or another, but was not dealt with swiftly yeah. and aggressively so the maybe, way it should have been. maybe you drop in the, I read LBJ's biography. and I, I've I read, read those books. I, I think you say more like, you know, Robert Caro hasn't said anything. Right, right. Robert Caro's oh, been silent. Yeah. You notice Robert, Robert Caro hasn't, hasn't said anything. He hasn't said anything. 
And I would even throw in a, I feel bad for David Aiello, and make sure you say it correctly. People would be impressed by that. Yeah, because it's also a yellow O. A yellow O. <laughs> See, I didn't even say that correctly. David, David Aiello was in Do the Right Thing. You know, his name I, is Danny. I, I say, Danny <laughs> so don't say you feel bad for Danny Aiello, because that will expose you. Yes, your you'll, you'll get a trash can thrown in your face. Whiplash should have been a $50 million movie. This is a Wesley Morris point. Explain. No, a $50 million budget or gross? No, gross. That movie should have conquered some little section. It should have conquered number three at the box office for like five weeks in a row. I agree. Two white guys arguing about jazz is something that people really want to see. <laughs> a thriller about two guys <laughs> abusing, that one guy abusing the hell out of another guy is something I think people really did want to see. I saw that movie at Sundance. People went crazy for it. There were standing ovations and it can. Most people who see this movie love it. It is a Best Picture nominee I think for a reason and I think that advertising that movie during a football game would have <laughs> really well, made the well, difference. I mean this is why they give out these awards though. I mean this is a classic movie that gets a shot because their supporting actor candidate is likely to win and because it's nominated for Best Picture. It's out there now. You can yeah, see it if you want. You can see it. There it is. It's like you and all the publicity that nominations get. Go I've and check it out. I've got two more small party points for that. One, make the whole case that Whiplash is really a sports movie. Yes. Which is an interesting one. And then two, just bring up Schillinger from Oz and make Schillinger jokes because J.K. Simmons played Schillinger, who is one of the most devious characters in the history of cable TV. So bring that up for my people. Reprise. The next one. I'll tell you who the best person in Birdman was. Ed Norton. Don't disagree with that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think you might be onto something. He was yeah, awfully no, good. I mean, every, you know what's funny? You go against Keaton. You go against the Keaton thing, <laughs> and, you, and you go, you buy Ed Norton stock. I mean, fortunately, it's really about which of the two of them is the better actor. So you're, you're, you're allowed to sort of give the movie a little bit of leeway in terms of Keaton holding back a little bit. And when Keaton's on his own, he's really good. But you notice when they're together, just Norton has something. That, mo- that a lot of actors don't fantastic. Have. Well, he was terrific. I mean, he, was, he has, I'll tell you what he has. He has three shots of espresso. He just, like, comes out right. there out yes. of the box like he's roaring, yeah. you know. Keaton has to hold the thing together. He has to be beset. Yes. But Norton gets what is perhaps more interesting or more fun to play. He has to be aggressive. He's the aggressor, yes. and he does it terrifically. And one other small point you can make is, like, well, the reason people like Keaton in this movie is the same thing as Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. So enough of his personal baggage in it, and that's why. It wasn't the acting. Right. He could go that route, too. I don't agree with that, by the way. I don't agree with that either. Keaton doesn't agree with that. Well, I'm trying to start an argument at my Oscar No, this is, a, this is a good, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a good Oscar <laughs> party argument starter. It's a really good one. Where's the, the dip? Yeah. Here's the next one. People are talking about Ethan Hawke. You over here, you just chime in and you go, yeah, it's his fourth Oscar nomination, but two were for writing. And one was supposed to be for songwriting. I kind of thought he might get a songwriting nomination uh, this year. i got to tell you, you've just turned into that guy at any party where That's I'm That's what I'm like, trying to do. Keep that <laughs> woman's husband away from me. <laughs> Who Carrie bring this year? Who is this guy? I don't want to be this person. Wesley, why are you hiding in the bathroom? <laughs> Carrie's husband is driving me crazy. Hey, I don't want to talk about the Oscars. Hey, Wesley, I heard you're writing about movies. You know, a lot of people don't uh, realize this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ethan Hawke, you know what they do say about Ethan Hawke? He's a star in any movie with snow. Yeah. Remember that was the old line by Ethan Hawke? If there's uh, snow in the movie, Ethan Hawke was Ethan a star. Ethan Hawke show up in it. That, oh, was, no. that was a white thing. Yeah. Uh, what, Alive? Wasn't he alive? Uh, he was the, uh, the Midnight Clear. Jar- no, what is that? What is the... He was like snow th- falling on cedars. He was, was in, him? he was in four movies with snow, and that, you know col- and he, that coloring, you just thought, wow, that looks great. Because when he found out about Neil's death and Dead Poets Side, he ran in the snow, and he was trying to recapture oh, Neil's spirit. Oh my God, oh. a dissertation! Neil, Neil, Neil! This might my be the- son. <laughs> this video does watch. Oh my God, my son! I've never forgiven that guy. He killed Neil. Neil into a into a Mel Gibson he movie. He killed Neil. Whatever that guy was from that '70s show. All right, next go. one. 
American Sniper. You know, that wasn't a real baby, right? No. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't realize. So a lot baby of, gang! A lot of people don't realize, and I guess it's kind of a spoiler, so maybe we shouldn't share it, but the babies in American Sniper are both played by Meryl Streep. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it's one of her greatest performances. Like, you don't even know, and it's uncredited. It's sort of like Matt Damon in that other movie. Oh, but, yeah. like, when she comes on screen, yeah, it's, it's like... Just, it's just it's the like, whole like, movie changes. The, I'm just going to say, the stillness mm. that she has is yes. incredible. <laughs> one more mystery one. Okay. I wasn't on the card. Okay. When people are talking about how Julianne Moore is a career achievement award, and somebody says, it's like when Scorsese won for The Departed. <gasps> You come back with, look, maybe it wasn't the best Scorsese movie, but who else should have won that year? And uh, they don't know what to say, and then you look like a smart ass. Well, the problem, you know, here's the thing. The problem that happens with these career, with these sort of things is that you're, the thing you're nominated for is compared to the other thing you were great in. Yes. Like, if, if for some reason Julianne Moore were not to win this year, every time she came up, he would say, wow, but she is, she is good in this as she was in Still Alice, or she, you know, this was this was the issue with Scorsese, I think. It's like every time a movie came up, it's like, yeah, but is it Goodfellas? Is it Raging Here's Bull? Here's the Julianne Moore thing, though. This is the thing that kind of disappoints me about her possibly winning in the tiniest way. She hasn't given, like, a career performance. She's just really good in everything. So there's not one performance that, that obstructs your view of the rest of her work. It is on. A, it is of a piece with everything else she's done. That's and, not true, actually. Okay. I mean, pardon me for disagreeing. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin, I was going to say, that's the only thing that is, like, truly that is a in, remarkable a, in another class. It's but not it's not HBO a, it's movie. Not a, it's not in a movie. It's HBO. But right, it is a right. great, it, yes. is, it is what yes. you, you know, it's yes. the old thing is, like, what do you yell at them when they're going down the block, right? Like, or what yep. do you think? Yeah, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Palin. Palin. Sarah Palin's what you See, yell at. See, I would have gone with the lady who first suspects Rebecca De Mornay in Hand That Rocks oh, the yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> And then gets killed by Garden Glass. Oh, no, the Happened, people don't remember that more happens in the first 10 minutes of Hannah Rocks the Cradle yeah. than has happened in like 50 Mike Lee movies. It's one of the great, it's one of the great cable Zing. movies of all time. Yes. And if you have a girlfriend or a wife and it's on, the scene when Rebecca De Mornay breastfeeds oh, Annabelle yeah. Sewer's no, baby, it, turns, it makes women go, oh, it's like the yeah, worst no. thing they've ever seen. They can't handle it. Bradley Cooper, three straight Oscar nominations. He's on a roll. Six-year run. Yep. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio, you see him on Us Weekly. He's in St. Bart's with a bunch of girls. Hasn't Can't even really remember the last movie he's made. This is like that George Best story. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> he's, he's, not guarding, he's not guarding his corner. Did Bradley Cooper take his corner? Kind of secretly, quietly. American Sniper was a huge hit. They don't cancel each other out. I think they're an interesting, they're an interesting opposition to each other. I just think that he has gotten opportunities to do things that Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't think, is capable of doing. You don't think Leo could have been an American sniper? None of the really good parts Bradley Cooper's had in the last four or five years, I think DiCaprio Leo could, could have been in Limitless. Yeah, but it does, I love Limitless. that's beneath him. Here's the thing about Leo. Leo makes your dreams come true if you're a director. You want to make The Departed or you want to win your Oscar, if you're Martin Scorsese, Leo will make your dreams come true. You know, Christopher Nolan wants to make this weird movie, Inception. It's like, Leo will make your dreams come true. So you will regard those movies as being director's movies. He'll make that happen. Bradley Cooper will be the best color in your painting. Yes. Bradley Cooper, yes. you know, you won't be able to get to make your dream project just because Bradley Cooper's in it. But when you cast him, he's going to give you 110% and you're going to have a good movie when you're done. So they are different. They're both making movies that every time out of the box make over $100 million domestic. And that's the definition well, of a star. Yes. And Leo's movies always feel like an event. 
whether it's a good movie or not, where it's like, oh, what's Leo up to? Yeah, oh, Leo's I, I got a new movie coming out. I think out. that's changing. Bradley Cooper is now approaching that point. Yes. I still don't think he's there. For instance, I don't think people are going to see him in Revolutionary Road. Nobody wants to see anybody in Revolutionary yeah, Road. Well, but I mean, at least people were like, oh, Revolutionary Road. But your point, I want to see this. I'm interested in this. I think if Bradley Cooper's in that, I don't know. But your care. point is that like a movie like Revolutionary Road doesn't even get made. That's right. Without, that's without, see, without. That's what I mean. Thank you, Wesley. Yes. Right, right. Good it's like, it's like, right there. I know you'll never make this movie, but I have DiCaprio in it. Well, we'll make it then. Right. That's how it works. And that's, well, I think and that's, Cooper is and that's turning Titanic that 20 years down think, the road. I think, right. I think Cooper is turning that corner. Yeah, but you said, you were like, it doesn't matter. These two guys cancel each other out. And I feel like... It actually does matter because it, you look at movies over, you can go back to the freaking 30s with Clark Gable. Right. There was always the guy. And there was the guy who everybody wanted to work with, the guy who could open any movie, the guy who, if you, if, if you gave a script to every single relevant actor and they all said, I want to do this, there was always one person who got the big chicken leg and was like, I, well, we're giving the chicken leg to him. And Leo's been that guy for like 10 years. But here's the difference, though. I think the thing that you're leaving out of that equation is who do people want to be and slash watch. I think, obviously, DiCaprio has been somebody we've wanted to watch because we've been, like, his movies are mostly hits, like big hits. I also think that there's something about Bradley Cooper that, that he has, and this is the thing I was, like, writing you, which is that he can do things and he, he can embody things that DiCaprio can't. I think he's more virile than DiCaprio think is. He, DiCaprio, DiCaprio is too much baggage? No no, well, no, 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 no. This is purely about the sort of in, the intangibles. This is about what Bradley Cooper gives off in a movie versus what DiCaprio gives off. DiCaprio is a star. Yes. DiCaprio is like an old school star. Like yeah. you think you know what's going on. You don't know a thing about his relationship with these models. Right. You don't know right. a thing about right. what he does when he's not around. It's like he plays these kind of outsized characters. But Bradley Cooper, he's in those tiny little apartments in Texas. He's in that tiny little house in in outside Philadelphia. You don't have to build a set around Bradley right. Cooper. He's going to be enormous. He's yes. going to tell you a yes. funny story yes. about the time they named him Sexiest Man Alive right. and he was on the phone with his mother and they revealed it on the show and the first response that the person on air had was Oh yeah, no. Like I mean, he will st- he will do the self deprecating humor. He remembers a, being made fun of on the message boards and Alias. Okay, yeah. he's a relatable guy, and he plays characters you can kind of relate to. DiCaprio is an old school star. DiCaprio comes down from the mountains. Yes. He makes your dreams come true. He makes this fantastic movie, and, and he's he back up on the mountain. Yep. There were message boards about Alias back in the day. <laughs> um, the first story the Times ever wrote about message boards about shows it was about Alias, Alias yep, and Bradley that. Cooper remembers it was about how much they hated him. Wesley and I talk, have weird conversations about movies sometimes, and I was telling him about my daughter and I watched Terms of Endearment on the airplane. Oh, yeah. And I want to see if it would make my daughter cry, because the fact that my daughter doesn't cry at movies is starting to scare me. Like, she waits to see if someone else is crying and then laughs at them. So I was like, <laughs> this is going to get her. Terms of Endearment's going to get her. And, of course, it didn't, and I got a little choked up, and then she's laughing. You're going to cry, you're going to cry. Anyway, let's say they remade that movie now. God forbid. Would, God forbid, but just say, like, let's say the movie never happened. They're making it now. James Brooks, 30 years younger right now. And using Making the movie. Stars, yeah. He would pick Leo for the Nicholson role. He would never even consider picking Bradley Cooper. No, 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 no. would have no, to be no. the Leo star power role. No, because Nicholson's a little gone to seed. You know, the one but thing Leo would about do that. Leo would get a little stubble. He'd look a little drunk. But th- that's just the difference, though, right? DiCaprio will act that part. Do you know what I mean? The mystery of Leonardo DiCaprio is all about the character he's constructing. He can't just be in a movie. I think Cooper you, can show You don't show think up. he could just be Leo? He, there is no Leo. That's my point. 
Leo's at St. Bart's with four women. Nobody wants to watch that BS. Like, he, Speak nobody, for yourself. If you're going to do Terms of Endearment, again, God forbid, you cast Cooper because Cooper has a kind of magnetism that can also be funny and ridiculous. You know who plays that astronaut now. Oh, it's neither Tom of these Cruise. guys. Right. Yes. Tom Cruise Tom, plays that ding, astronaut. Ding, ding, ding. Tom Cruise's yeah. tummy come around there and goes, what the hell? That's Tom Cruise. I'm taking cyanide. <laughs> Chuck Closter and I talk about this on the podcast. Leo now has three generations of women who fell in love with him from Titanic. Yes. The ones when it came when the movie came out, the ones who saw it on VHS and cable in like the 2003 to 2005 when they were eight and it was the first movie they loved. And now the current generation, people like my daughter, everyone under 40 is kind of secretly has a torch for Leo DiCaprio. And Cooper is just building up this new group of people from the last couple of years, I, I don't think it's even but close. Isn't you know, there's the even a slot of people who already loved DiCaprio before from he was in Titanic. this boy's life and growing pains yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. when he was a teen idol. Yeah. You can still see those pictures of him like, so hey, four generations. But Thank this you, Chris is, but Isn't this the problem with our enthusiasm for DiCaprio? We can't see him in the moment. That's something that's hurt him at the Academy Awards. I think he is. he should have at least three Oscars at this point. Really? He has instead, of, instead of who? I, well, we can. I'm not gonna. I can't remember who he's lost. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street for sure. Like, I, for I think, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I, this is now. You know, I'm just speaking. But I mean, this is a guy who arguably should have three Oscars. I like I'm not saying he was wrong. Thing. But I mean, I just I think that like he is somebody who we're we're our enthusiasm for him is based on in part this one specific moment in time. We're always surprised by how good he is in a movie because he was supposed to be this other thing. Was so Cooper, this is a run. He's on a great run. He gets credit for the first Hangover movie. You know, people thought it was a Galifianakis there, movie. There's the no reason why he can't keep going because he has good taste. You know, eventually it comes down to like we said, you got to keep picking the right movies. You got to keep picking. But he's the been people doing that for ride. six years. He's on a roll. I mean, so. he, you can't blame him for Hangover two and three because I think he had to sign those contracts. Yeah, he's on, he's on board, but uh, like the AT. I mean, there's so many things where like it could have gone wrong, and he is grudgingly the like the most interesting person in the AT. Remember, movie. he too is in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's really good. Yes. I mean, I would also say Bradley Cooper is currently playing the Elephant Man on Broadway. Like, the way he plays that part is just shocking in that there's no vanity in it, but you're also aware that you're watching this very handsome man do something that is also physically very difficult to do about an, a, quote, ugly person. He's the best actor to ever come out of the Big East. Started at Villanova, that, transferred yeah. to Georgetown. <laughs> He's had a life like the rest of us can kind of understand, you know? Right. It's like the Caprio was a star at a very early age yes. and then lived this rarefied life that we can barely appreciate. You know, it's a dream you know, for Cooper. For Bradley was, Cooper was too. kind of scratching a little bit, and now he's, he's ever since he hit thirty, he's on board. Well, maybe this will wake up Leo because I feel like Leo has a next stage to go to. I don't to think Leo's that worried. I don't know if he cares about. I don't think he. I don't. I don't know. Well, I would mean, you be worried if you were Leo? I wouldn't. What's to worry? About? What's to worry about? What's right. worry about? I mean, to your same Bart point, like he doesn't care. I think Leo would be fine if he just. Got Nicholson's seat in the Laker game when Laker when Nicholson died and just made a movie every seven years and he'd here's, be great. He'd here's be the fine. thing though, I want to know how these uh, the aging thing is sort of the issue for me. Like I want to know what this is like in ten years. Well, the, you know, there's a there's a direct corollary, right? It's Warren Beatty. He said Beatty's persona to some degree, and he said Beatty's career. That's a great one, Chris Connolly. Yeah. Now, I'm he... so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Leo totally would have made Heaven Can Wait. Yes. He totally yes. would have tried to direct Everything, He would do Bullworth in 10 years. I still think Leo owns the corner, but I think there's definitely... Bradley Cooper has Marlowe potential. Does the Academy have a race problem? 
<laughs> America has a race problem. The Academy does not have a specific race problem, but they did throw a whitewash, as you like to say, in the acting categories this year. Uh, David Oyelowo not being nominated for Best Actor, for instance, I can kind of explain that. Ava DuVernay, I have a harder time with in that that movie is so, I mean, quote, directed. It's far more directed, I would say, than The Imitation Game, which is sort of, I would say, misdirected. Does the Academy have a race problem is a question we have been asking from the dawn of, of time, basically. And I think every year we think it's been solved because of Jamie Foxx or a Forrest Whitaker or an Octavia Spencer. Every time a black person or a person of color wins an Oscar, you think, okay, well, problem solved. I always like to think about what the people are winning Oscars for. Like, I, the minute that Lupita Nyong'o wins an Oscar for playing a CEO or, like, a country singer or... <laughs> do but, you know what I mean? But, I but, think, but your point is well taken, but that's not the Academy's problem. No, but this is, my, this is the corollary to my, to my winner's point. Right. I think that there is a really good overlap on the Venn diagram of who is in the Academy and who is manufacturing the movies that right. cast these people in them. I mean, it's a shocking thing when you see 20 acting nominations and they're all Caucasians. There's no doubt about I that. I am not shocked by that at all, uh, actually. Well, <laughs> well I, I guess not, in, not maybe in the sense of being surprised, but it does sort of... It, it kind of like pulls you up there, a little bit. There is a there is a really in 2015 reaction to to seeing those those the lack of people of color. This year, I feel like the only person I feel was actually snubbed was David Ayello. Well, that's the thing. It's like then you start thinking, well, who should be in there? Right. And I can think of one, and you can think. So of So this one. is the ho- this is then right. it becomes Hollywood's problem. The question that Jesse right. Jackson exactly. was asking right. 20 years ago, which See, is like, this is, right. I don't think this is the Academy's problem. I think the question is, why aren't there more roles, credible roles that don't go to Kevin Hart that, I mean, with all due respect to Kevin Hart, but Kevin Hart isn't going we for this sort of thing. We don't have to show all due respect to Kevin Hart. Yeah, I mean, we can, we we can, can show, show, we, we can show a little respect. bit of respect to Kevin Hart. No pun intended. Because... <laughs> That pun was actually, I put that on the tee for you, Bill. <laughs> when I just different feel thoughts like, here. I'll make them quick. One, the Academy's full of old white people. Like, of course, stuff like this is 94% in, in 2012. And, and it's, it should be like a nightclub. It should be a capacity of 150. And when new people come in, they should nudge old people out. But they die. I blame the people who did Selma. So they got the word of mouth out correctly in December, like everyone else this did. Is, I mean, this is definitely... It gets nominated, yeah, the Selma, period. The, the Selma thing is definitely an issue, obviously, but... But the thing is, it's the only, it's the one thing we can talk about. It's like when we say who else should be there, you go, well, Chadwick well, Boseman. Ava should be there, and maybe Chadwick oh, should you be mean, there, and somebody. So the problem is, there just isn't a big enough pool right. to, to go from. You know, the Selma thing touches on something else, though, and I wouldn't want to, you know, this is too important a conversation to, to thread Jack, as they say. But the Academy has a woman problem. Yes. That's 100% sure. 9% of all movies that were released in 2013 were directed by women. Not even that, but look, look at the story. Look at the nominated best pictures this year. Yes. Every one of them is a man's story. Every one of them is about some guy doing something, okay? Every single one of them. Wild yes. isn't there. Gone Girl isn't there. Right. Every one of them is a guy doing something. Wild could have been there. You look like four years ago in terms of the stories that were, the things that were nominated. You had, um, you know what the girls are all right. You know the ki- you had the, the kids, kids are all right. right. You had True Grit. 
You know, you had you've had a moor in the past and stuff. You had beasts of the southern wild. You got nothing this year. Right. Nothing. And that it wasn't tells, as though there weren't options right. for that. I mean, nothing that tells a story that a woman is at the center of. Right. And that's incredible. Do you worry that it just seems like the movies that are being targeted for African American audiences always fall in these couple camps? And it's like. So you take Idris Elba, who's a really good actor. Yes. And he's in No Good Deed, and that's yes. his movie for the year. Yes. And this is a guy like, who that's played... That's a movie we've talked about. Yes. is targeted toward a specific audience with specific themes that club you over the head the entire time. Now, in Amy Pascal's defense, she did suggest that Idris Elba should play the next James Bond, right? Yeah, but everybody thinks that that's true, and it's probably never going to... I mean, I want the know, Hemsworth it's probably never from Rush. What, which Hemsworth is Can that? Can you tell that's, them apart? Which Plumley is which Plumley and which Hemsworth? One has the eighties haircut and one has the nineties haircut. Right. That's the way you tell them. <laughs> Rush Hem, Hem, whatever Rush Hemsworth should be the James Bond, but I would also buy Stringer Bell as James Bond. I think that would be good. Oh, nobody Hollywood's not it. thinking that way though. No, I mean I, honestly, they're thinking about China. They're yeah. thinking about China and Russia and Japan and Brazil. I mean, they're thinking about. White is sort of a lingua franca of movie star, with very few exceptions you know, in true. other parts of the world. You know, the only thing I'd say, though, is that the movies we're usually talking about are not dependent on, on their performances in Shanghai or Beijing. No, but what I'm saying is, if we're talking about a larger infrastructural philosophical problem, I think that's a huge part of it, is how these movies are going to play overseas. Well, I think it's more like you can't... I, I think the challenge more is that, you, is that the movie industry may feel they can't build a franchise around an actor of color in the same way. That's not the same thing as this problem. I think the idea is if you put somebody in a franchise, they can get the kind of acclaim that will allow them to carry or to be able to make a movie like the kind of movies we're talking about here. You know what I mean? It's like if you can put somebody in a Marvel movie, you can put somebody in a DC movie, and they will play in Beijing Question. or something. Yeah. Right. Could they have made Gone Girl with Lupita Nyong'o and Rosamund Pike's role? Hell no. I would. So, isn't that the problem? I, well, no, but the politics. Well, this is that's a very. You could make wild with Lupita Nyong'o. She'd been good in it. She wouldn't. She'd have been great in either. Oh, here's the thing about Lupita Nyong'o. We don't have enough evidence to know what but if else they cast her in Gone Girl. You, all of us, would have been. We like, all. Whoa, oh, that's everybody's a blow, eyebrow, right? Yeah, that would yes. be. Yeah. That would yes. be a big thing. That would never would have done it. But that movie. That movie. That movie has so many problems. I don't think you can add that additional problem. <laughs> and Tyler Perry would have a completely different reaction to Lupita being the crazy person in that movie. Like oh, it changes a, Tyler Perry's entire performance. Can't change Tyler Perry's no, performance. His, He's his, good that movie. His entire performance is like <laughs> y'all white people crazy. Until we start crossing those barriers, I, I think it does seem like... I agree. Well, we want black people to get more of it, but, but we can't have them in that movie. You know, and that's a line that just hasn't been crossed It's going to take something... It's going to take innocuous things. It can't be like a Martin Luther King movie every time. It has to be things like... Or like, like a James Brown biopic or right. a Ray Charles biopic. Right. It's like well, all the, biopics. The thing, I guess, I mean, what Hollywood probably say is these movies, we have to have stars to work with. We have to have, like, stars to work with. They right. have to, like... You know, if these are the movies that they're going to have African Americans in, we need to take the star power they get from how great they do in these movies Here's a great and example. put them in other films. Twenty-two years ago, Robin Givens in the Basic Instinct lead would have been off the charts great. Yes. Think about her in Boomerang and just had that kind of. Yes, she had she, something to her that you're like, I am afraid of this person. I don't really know why. And if you put her in Basic Instinct. She would have nailed it, but they never would have done that, and I don't think they would do it now in 2015 either. Well, no. but you know, there are, you know, there are the issues that you raised. There are a lot it's of, not, I mean, the it's politics. Not, it's not just the same thing. I'm really into having experts on set. Like I've been, I've been using the term dramaturg, but somebody on the set to just be like, look. 
if you're going to have Lupita play a crazy person, here's some things you should be thinking about in terms of how she's shot, in terms of how you have her behave. I mean, I mm. feel like there should be a feminine, like Lars von Trier, his Antichrist had a misogyny consultant. I think that is one of the best credits I've ever seen in a movie. But there was somebody on set being like, Lars? Well, they, I, I would prefer to recall a misogyny. Worst boy. Right. <laughs> 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 I think the thing that, that annoys me is that People like the people who give us our movies think that part of color blindness means that that race isn't uh, doesn't change anything. Right. When you when you take a part that a white actor can play and like Kevin Hart in The Wedding Ringer, for instance, you can just like get rid of Vince Vaughn and cast Kevin Hart. And it's pretty much the same movie. Michael B. Jordan not getting nominated for Fruitvale, I think, was worse than Selma not getting nominated because that was a movie that had been out for eight months. That and it was one of the best. Yeah, that, that, that was that, that year. Category that was, was another one of those categories. That category was loaded. And I always felt like the Fruitvale Station guys, you know, they came out really early in the year and they kind of like were willing to be miscongeniality because they knew the competition. Wes Anderson's was great. movie came out early, but everybody knows Wes Anderson. <laughs> oh, boy. But Ray Fiennes didn't get nominated, though. I mean, it's not like that's a <laughs> week. Do we want to have the Wes Anderson conversation? No, the race in the race department. That'd be unusual. We're gonna have it. That might make my head explode. We'll be back on the Great Little Academy Awards preview after this. We have some burning questions. They're simmering. I don't know if they're quite burning. Some of these are on fire. Oh well, a couple are on fire. Can we say that Steve Carell is the latest victim of comic actor syndrome? But what do you mean, comic actor syndrome? When people are just they're supposed to be funny, but then they decide I'm tired of being funny. Put me in a drama. I want to be weird for a movie. I feel like I need to do this for my career. Dan in Real Life, The Way Way Back, and Foxcatcher. Those are three pretty good performances by my So you think he's an actor? I think he is, yes. Uh, I think he's an actor. I think that there's a way to which one of the problems with Foxcatcher is that it doesn't know what to do with that performance. I think in some ways that's a movie that should have been a farce in which we laugh at that guy. I think he's thinking about both options. He's giving Bennett Miller two looks at the same time. Put on a fake nose, act glassy-eyed, talk in a monotone voice, you can get nominated for an Oscar, Chris. No, I thought that first scene was really good. I thought that scene downstairs where they're talking, I thought that was... See, it kicks was, off, you feel like it's building to something, and, and that scene it. really... It was unfortunately the best scene. Your point's kind of well taken, that they kind of are not entirely sure what to do with it, yeah. I think, you know, or that it could have gone know. either way. I think it's still a good performance. I think it deserves to be on the list. I think Ruffalo is also really good, and I mean, he got nominated. I was nervous that he would be too fine... Uh, you know, the, the subtlety of what he's doing in that movie. I, like, I didn't realize that was Ruffalo for 20 minutes. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's... I didn't know he was in it. Oh. I hadn't read anything about it. I deliberately avoided it because I knew too much about the story already. And, and it's like, ah, oh, that guy looks like Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo's a rave fan. Oh, Ruffalo's going to be Ruffalo's gonna be on a lot of these lists in the years to come. And he's got a franchise because he's hooked up with that Marvel group that yeah. means he's going to be able to keep playing these roles. And He works a money. lot. Yeah, well, he can. He works yeah. a lot on movies nobody sees. Uh, he's a really good in this movie called Infinite Polar Bear, where he plays a guy with, uh, I think he's schizophrenic. I mean, he works all the time. I guess, like, my my thing about Foxcatcher and Unbroken, I had the same reaction. Just like, why? Why did we make this movie? Well, what there are two the movies that bury the lead about what's interesting about their stories. Like, they're, yeah. they're sort of the other, there's another side to these stories that the movie doesn't, like, I mean, another, there's a side B to the... I don't know about Foxcatcher. All I, all I know about Unbroken is sometimes you do stories 
and you're, what you love about the story is that so much happens. Mm-hmm. It's like you just can't believe how much happens in the story. And you can approach it, and that's what you're in for. And you can't wait to do it because there's so much that happens. But then you have to make a movie out of it, or sometimes you have to make a piece about it for ESPN. And you can't get all that <laughs> stuff in. You just can't. And it makes you crazy. How can we not get this great stuff in? But there isn't time. Mm. And the problem that Angelina Jolie had is so many people read that book. Yeah. They all knew all the stuff that happened. So when she cut it from three hours plus to two hours and a half, or however long that movie was, stuff came on the hit the floor. And people who read the book said, hey, what about that part where he meets Hitler? What about the part where, I, why didn't you have that? So that's a tough thing sometimes. Sometimes just because somebody said in a room, we should make a movie about that. And I'm not totally sure that always means we should make a movie. You look at the two people behind those movies and the amount of money the studios put into it. I don't know if those are the right choices. I don't know. Just a personal I think, opinion. I think if you worked on Unbroken, you're kind of looking at the money being like, shut up, Bill. <laughs> How much money I'm with you. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but... How much I, money they spend for marketing, though? I don't know, but I mean, it's a hit. It's a solid hit. We talked about this earlier. Can Selma actually win the best picture for the same reason that Argo won the best picture? This yes. is a crazy theory you have. I, I'm this with is it. a crazy... I'm with th- it. I'm totally with it's it. It's not crazier than 15 other things I said already during this. <laughs> First off, Selma does have a puncher's chance. There's no yes. doubt about that. I'd say slightly more. And maybe more than a puncher's chance as it moves forward. The idea that Argo won because Ben Affleck didn't get a director's nomination, to me, is not consistent. You don't with the buy facts. that theory. The Academy felt sorry for an actor who won a Best Screenplay Oscar in his 20s? That doesn't You're happen. You're looking at it the wrong way. He doesn't get nominated. All it is is free publicity for that movie for two weeks, how ridiculous it was that the movie got nominated, but he did it and got people talking about it, got the ball rolling. And it felt like that first week with the Selma, Selma was the big movie everyone talked about that didn't get nominated enough. History says that's usually a really good thing for a movie. Selma's not just any movie. Under these circumstances, it's not even Argo, which I think is sort of more egregious with its use of the truth than, than Selma right. is by, by a long, by a long distance. There are people who didn't see the movie, who are pro- Academy members who are probably seeing it now and thinking, oh yeah, this is actually really good. Isn't it a shame that we can't wait five years like with the Baseball Hall of Fame before we decide who won the Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the 72-hour award show. Where everything happens in 72 hours. Oh! You mean you want to shrink the window to nothing? Announce it and we're we're having it. It's a race. And you have to vote inside the 72 hours and there's no like campaign, there's no nothing. You just like, it drops any time of the year, just 72 hours, go. And then there's no chance for people to change their mind or anything. You have to show up. You have to use the dress you wear. Oh, I love it. It's like the Spirit Awards. And then bang, there you are. Why am I putting an asterisk against Bradley Cooper's nomination? Why are you? He gained 40 pounds for the role. Oh. If Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire can't get in the Hall of Fame, then yeah. why do I have to give Bradley Cooper an Oscar? You, you, so Cooper, when he's in a biogenesis clinic scandal <laughs> in a couple years, um, well, does he take no, the Oscar I, away? I, I actually read this story because, of course, they said he ate every 55 minutes. What? He just, he just kept eating every 55 minutes. They would give him something to eat so he could bulk up for that role. Oh, my God. See? He's, he's like a... I've, wow. spent, I've spent 30 years telling America that's what, <laughs> that's what happened to Eddie Curry in the Knicks. Um, so what's the best way you would fix the Oscars? You go first. But I would turn the first hour of the show, the, the technical awards, into uh, 
a kind of referendum on the Hollywood that actually exists the rest of the year. Because if you look at what's nominated for things like Best Visual Effects, they're all the big movies. Mm -hmm. They're Interstellar. They're Guardians of the Galaxy. So instead of playing them like they're technical awards, play them as really referendums on the movies you actually loved in the course of the year. Not these movies, which right. are only talked about, too, but like, okay, what was better? What was the best popcorn movie of the year? I, I like I the idea of best popcorn movie. I wish the Oscars reflected better. Like, the NBA has something great. They have the all-NBA teams. So they have the most valuable player, rookie of the year, coach of the year, all that stuff. But then they also have the all-NBA teams. And if you look at it, it's a really nice snapshot of who mattered every year. I wish there was a better way than just here are the 20 actors and here are the eight films. And maybe, like, the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy was such a smart movie that made so much money, it feels like that should be honored somehow. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's why other award shows begin to crop up to fill that role. Right, right. You know, that's why, like, the MTV Movie Awards were created, like, 20 years ago. But that's now, literally why they were created. That, that's yeah. totally true and why there, there's so much other stuff and... and you know, and, and that stuff going on. The Oscars still stands for a particular type of quality, and it's kind of cool that it's still doing the same. No. Did you have an Oscar fix? Uh, I mean, I think I might have already complained about it, which is, like, getting rid of the campaigning. But I also think there needs to be more time for these movies to breathe culturally so that America understands what they are and whether they like them or don't like them. And our esteemed colleague, Mark Harris, always brings up this important point, which is it's been at least 10 years since the best picture was released in December. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't work, guys. Yeah. It doesn't work. I have my Oscar fix. I'm yes. stealing it from my favorite writer, William Goldman. Um, it's a good what, person to steal from. Yeah. Let's know the votes. Oh, the tally. Yeah, let's know. Yeah, I want to know. What's the scoreboard? I always want to know. Boyhood won 832. Yeah, I always want to know. And whoever had 798. Like, why don't we know? It would be like if the Patriots played the Colts, and it would be like, the Patriots won. It's like, what if Crash beat Brokeback Mountain by two votes? That's the thing you Stuff always like do. That. Like, that would be so year, much fun just to talk about. The year that Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand tied, tied for Best yeah. Actress yeah. was the year that Barbara Streisand was allowed in the Academy. Hmm. So you always have to think if she hadn't asked, Hepburn would have won. Maybe she didn't vote for herself. You never uh, know. I would have voted for myself. Your top Oscars prospect. This is somebody who's in the mix this year hmm. but isn't who they should be yet. You go first. Miles Teller. Miles Teller now is I think when he's in a movie, I am extremely interested in what he's doing in it, no matter what it is. But I think he was just as good and more interesting, I would say, as an actor in Whiplash than I think J.K. Simmons was. And I will take uh, Miles Teller's spectacular now co-star, Shailene Woodley, and say that she is the person that we will be hearing more from. We talked before about Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton being one and one A. You could make the case that Jennifer Lawrence and Shailene Woodley are yep. kind of one and one A going forward. Yep. She's given great performances in things like The Descendants. I really liked her in uh, Fault in Our Stars. I think in another universe she gets a Best Actress nomination. Not just, and people thought it was like a young adult thing, and of course there's a lot of crying and all the rest of it, but she not only has to play that character in that movie, she has to embody that voice. That mm -hmm. voice that is what everybody loved about the book and stuff, and I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I think they're both good in that movie. Ansel, Ansel Elgord. So I think, and I, you know, and she's got, you know, she also has her own little mini franchise with the Divergent stuff. So we're going to keep seeing her out there. I think she's going to wind up being on these lists soon. I really like both of those people, and you mentioned Teller and Whiplash. That's like the Cruise Rain Man role, right? Where you get yeah. overshadowed by the other person, but if your part doesn't work, the other, the other person, person doesn't work as well. That's right. Yep. And. Uh, you know what's interesting? Channing Tatum 
in Foxcatcher was kind of like he he should have played it more like the Cruise Rain Man style. Well, and Chris he went like kind of just crazy with it, and it and it hurt the movie. I thought if they make that movie thirty years ago, which role does Cruise play? Mark Ruffalo or Channing Tatum? Tatum. And you know what else? He does the Cruise thing where. He wrestles for five months against NCAA wrestlers <laughs> to really know how to wrestle. I'm in, I'm in with cocktail. you. He learned how to bartend. You darn right. He, he learned put, how to flip the ball. He learned how to flip the ball. Yeah. I interviewed yeah, the guy I mean, who taught him how to flip the ball. Yeah. I mean, he played cornerback. <laughs> he played cornerback. He knew how to shut down rounds. He was I'm, committed. He was I am, committed. I am 100% with you on Tom Cruise. I mean, even when he's doing wrong, like Jack Reacher, I don't care. We need to get him back on these cards. We need to get Tom Cruise back on these cards, yeah, one you. way or another. It's time. My Oscar prospect, it's kind of a lame pick, but I, I'm really interested to see where Emma Stone's career goes because yeah. she's not afraid to try stuff. She's kind of fearless, you know? And I, th- I thought she was really good in Birdman and just got overshadowed by how great that movie was and all the different storylines in it. But I want to know where her next five years go. I was there, I always figure I was there the night she kind of became a star. Mm. I was there for the premiere of House Bunny. Oh, yeah. House Bunny, where she emerges from House Bunny, which is a charming little comedy. Yeah. She emerged from House Bunny as, your first take was, oh, it's the same Lindsay Lohan. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the same, and, and, mm. and when she... That's exactly what I thought when I saw it, actually. When she left the theater, I, was, I had a couple of directors next to me where I was sitting. They were like jumping over chairs just to say hi to her. They could spot that yeah. there was something special about yeah. her. And I, I absolutely think she's got a good chance. Was Lohan the Michael Ray Richardson of actresses or the Roy Tarpley? <laughs> if Lohan could have spent $70,000 refurbishing an apartment she was renting, she would yeah. have done that just like Richardson Michael Ray. all the way. Wesley Morris, we'll read you on Grantland. Go check out all the reviews of all the movies if you, if you missed any of them. You can Google them or check our search engine. Chris Connolly, see you on ESPN, ABC, and on the red carpet, right? It's always a privilege. That's right. And you can get this as a podcast on the BS Report, which will be like nine hours long because that's how long this editing session was. The Grantland Oscars preview is complete. Thank you. For more, go to grantland.com forward slash 2015 Oscars.